When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In terms of where I'm from, I have this hard time kind of answering that question as because where I was from and home was really where we lived. It's where we made home. As a Caribbean culture, there is a lot of pride. There's a lot of authenticity. I don't know anybody, you know, that is Caribbean that isn't unapologetically themselves. It brought awareness to my level of fluidity in love and my sexuality. Basically, there's no confines. And what it taught me was I love a specific type of human being. Like, And I just said that that's okay. I can love who I love. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hi, everybody. I am here today with a very special panel of ladies that are very near and dear to my heart. Arian Hunter is back with us today. You guys have probably remember her from season one, and so she's back again. And we have Mercedes Dean with us as well, who is new to Modern Minorities, but is not new at all to LA and not new to the game. (laughs) So welcome, Arian Mercedes, to Modern Minorities. Thank you so much, Sharon. So good to be here again. Yes, thank you. I'm super excited. It's really great to have you. So it's really rare that people in my circle have so much in common. And I feel like, Erin, I've known you for over 10 years. I think it's been like 15 or something, right? We've known each other forever. (laughs) But I didn't know certain things about you until... We, we spoke the, like, not the other day, but we spoke on the show of just kind of where you are and, and your re- relationship. Mercedes, you and I have kind of been new friends in LA and through some other work that we do together. And when I was thinking about the people that we could highlight this month um, for Caribbean Heritage Month and for Pride Month, I was thinking, do I know anybody in my network that kind of fulfills both sides of those, right? So we've got a ton of people that have been on the show that are of Caribbean background and cultures. We've got a, a number of people that have been on before who, who are gay or who are very supportive of LGBTQ types of things. And the two of you guys have such an interesting combination of both because you you live in both worlds. You're both from Caribbean cultures and you're you're both currently in same-sex relationships. And I figured it'd be so much fun to get you guys together and just have a chat about both of those things. Amazing. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So, Arian, we know a little bit about you and you told us about your upbringing and your your background. You want to just kind of refresh our memory a little bit of where you are originally from or where your family's from and 
and how you grew up? Yeah. So I um, was telling Mercedes a little bit before our talk today, but um, I'm from New York originally. I've been kind of all over the city. So I started out in the Bronx. I was born there and I lived there for about 10 years before moving to Long Island, to the suburbs. So imagine the culture shock of going from uh, the Bronx to uh, the suburbs of Long Island, which was predominantly white. And um, I lived there for about 17, 17 years about. And then I moved back closer to the city um, and was in Queens for about seven, eight years. And now I'm in Brooklyn. Um, and I've been in Brooklyn now for about five years. So actually a little bit more than that. I think it'll be six this coming August. But my family, my family is from Jamaica. So Kingston, Jamaica. So um, we, yeah, my mother came here when she was 16 years old um, and had my brother, who's five years older than me, about a couple of years after she came to the States here. And so we were kind of both in an Americanized household. My dad is American. He was born in Harlem, New York. And, and like I said, my mother's from Jamaica. So we had kind of a, kind of a hybrid of both just African-American hi- household and Caribbean. That's great. And I remember you, you talking about the first time you went back to Jamaica and how that really changed your perspective about the culture and, and just really understanding more about your dad's side anyway, right? Of, um, Mm-hmm. of how he was thinking about things? Yeah, I, as a kid, my brother and I would actually visit Jamaica pretty often. When we were kids, we would go there um, for the summer and stay with my grandfather in Kingston. So we would spend the whole summer there, um, a lot of time on the beach. Um, it was, yeah, it was one of uh, my first exposures to being in Jamaica as a kid. Now, you know, fast forward to today and kind of looking back on that time, I I wish I could have, you know, just really absorbed more of the culture. I just kind of took it for granted. You know, you're a kid, you're young. And I was just having a lot of fun (laughs) being with my grandfather and, you know, being on the beach all day. So after those trips during the summertime, I hadn't visited Jamaica again until I was well into my adulthood. Mm -hmm. So that was probably, gosh, I want to say... In my early 30s was probably one of the first times that I had went back there. And, you know, my grandfather had passed away a couple of years ago. Um, so really didn't get a chance to just talk to him more about what it was like to be in Jamaica, just hearing his stories and his perspectives. And um, now I got that information secondhand from, from family. But I just remember, you know, kind of going back there and just experiencing it in a different way. Um, my great-great-grandmother um, was still alive at the time. And I think she was, gosh, maybe 90 or, or in her late 80s. She's since passed away. But being able to sit with her, you know, with her her long gray silver hair um, and two plaits, you know, just kind of cascading down her shoulders. And yeah, just remember just kind of being in her presence and just her mild and gentle nature and how she looked piercingly into my eyes um, because she hadn't seen me for years, you know, at that point too. So yeah, it was just a real moment, you know, just to reconnect and to say, wow, I I come from this. This is my ancestry. Speaking of which, I did one of the ancestry DNA tests earlier this year. We could talk about that more later, but that was also pretty eye-opening to see just kind of where, where I come from, this is, which is West African. But, you know, just kind of understanding how that also ties into my Caribbean culture too. It's just so multi-layered. 
Yeah. yeah. Those DNA tests are, are so <laughs> illuminating. Like they are. They are. I'm, I'm some big percentage of Indonesian, mm-hmm. which makes so much sense now because, you know, as a Chinese person, I was, I was like, oh, I look a little darker than most, you know, most Northern Chinese folks. And now realizing like there is a lot of South, Southeast Asian in me has like mm-hmm. just given me a, a slightly different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Mercedes? Where, where's your family originally from and where did you grow up? That's such an interesting question as I listen to a basically polarized um, like version of my experience in terms of where <laughs> my family comes from and where I, co- you know, where I'm from. Um, so I actually am piecing together throughout my adult life, kind of more so more of my ethnic background and my, you know, where my family comes from. And so to keep a long story short, my mother is mixed with Puerto Rican and white. I'm not sure what descent. That's something that I'm also exploring. She had me at 16 um, in Riverside, California. We, she then joined the military shortly uh, after graduating and moved. Uh, we moved to Germany. And so my childhood memories are very deep rooted in European culture and mm. and growing up in Germany. And so, which is so interesting, right? So my mother is the only child. Her mom is an only child. So there's like half of her she doesn't know, which is her Puerto Rican descent. And then there's mm-hmm. half of me I don't know, which is my Dominican, um, well, apparently my father who passed away. His family is of Dominican descent. So I am uh, just this basically melting pot of the Caribbean and I have no idea, you know, and I think the best place for me to start, which I've kind of been apprehensive to do is do a DNA test to really do a deeper dive and maybe connect with his side of the family. You know, my mom's side of the family is all, uh, it's limited to just my mom and my grandmother at this point. So yeah, and then in terms of where I'm from, I have this hard time kind of answering that question as I get older, or, you know, as you grow up, because where I was from and home was really where we lived. It's where we made home. And so when we lived in Germany, home was Germany. And when we moved and my dad was temporarily stationed in Japan, it was Japan. And when we moved back to the States, it was Louisiana, it was Texas, it was, you know, everywhere. And so and now I live in California and I've lived here for, you know, over seven years. I think I'm going on eight years and home is now California, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's, I have such a different, and, and, and this is very common for me. Like when I do get asked about, you know, where are you from or where, uh, what are you mixed with? I oftentimes kind of struggle or stumble on my own words because I'm like, man, why have I never, mm-hmm. it never mattered. I, these things just never mattered to me because I think living all over the world, you see, I was immersed in so many different cultures and got to know so many different people and human beings and and ethnicities that I never really looked inward on my own. So Mm -hmm. I was just always, you know, kind of paying attention to that, how different we all are and accepting of how we all are. But I think I'm definitely gonna, I'm going to be turning 30 this year. So I think, you know, the next couple of years, I'm going to take a really deep dive into just like where I come from, you know, um, what family I can connect with and, and kind of, you know, rebuild from there. Cause if I do want, you know, kids and, you know, to get married, like I, I want to be able to have some, some sense of identity in that, in that regard. Yeah. Was the Caribbean, Latino, Puerto Rican, Dominican culture 
ever a part of your own childhood, like through food or through language, anything like that? So my mother does speak fluent Spanish. So yes. So, um, but in terms of what we ate, no, because her father was Puerto Rican and she never knew her father. So really she had a white mother. So she grew up in basically, you know, culturally in a white household, you know, so she also isn't connected and tapped into her own or fully immersed in her uh, ethnic background, both Puerto Rican and white. And so as you can see, you know, if she doesn't have that right, that association, and then she has me and then I don't have that association we both are kind of in that same boat. And I've also witnessed she too has not really kind of sought out understanding that other half of her, that other side of her. Hmm. And so it almost makes me think now, like what, what does my mom kind of associate as, or, you know, if someone asks her, right. You know, what are, I'm very curious because it's just, it never was a conversation in the household. It was never something that, you know, was talked about. Now I'll tell you, I struggled because I'm the only brown person in my family. So my mother married my stepfather who was white. Mm -hmm. So she's Puerto Rican and half white. And then she married a white man and had two kids. So I'm the brown kind of black sheep. Don't know where I come from. Can't stand my skin color. I was five years old in Germany crying, coming home saying I wanted to color in my coloring book with peach the crown peach and my mother said that's not your color you're brown and I told her well I hate being brown no one else is brown so like I had identity issues very early growing up in Germany and not really being around anyone else of color sure everybody was white yeah and so obviously you grow up and you grow you learn to love yourself and I can't say obviously, but for me, my journey as I grew up, I learned to love my skin. I learned to love my name. I learned to love the things that I do know about myself and my identity. And so, yeah, that's my my crazy whirlwind story. Of, uh, it's so unique. It's I haven't heard anyone, you know, a similar story. Yeah, you're one. In, you're you're one in 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 many. I was going to say in a million, but you're probably not, maybe yeah. not a million. But <laughs> it is. It, it's very unique, and it, I feel like. It, it's true. The two of you guys are, it feels very polar opposite, you know, right. of Arian going to Jamaica every summer. And like, that's just kind of, you know, great, great, great grandma's still around. Like it's all much closer and much more tangible. Whereas um, a lot of, a lot of that for you, Mercedes was told through other people, but maybe never actually experienced firsthand because you just either never got to meet the people in your family or no one, no one themselves knew yet. Right. It's really interesting. And so for a month like Caribbean Heritage Month, what does that mean to you guys? And also how do you how do you identify with I guess it's I'm gonna call it a holiday, which is like so weird, right? Because what my own pers- perspective is like all of this is like Hallmark made up a lot of these things to to sell cards a long time ago. But it is a time when it brings awareness to, in this case, Caribbean culture, but there's also, you know. Black History Month and Asian Heritage Month, which just passed. How do you guys relate to that as Caribbean Americans? I'd say for me, it's it's funny. And I, I think, you know, I hear a lot of folks say this in terms of, you know, how they identify. It's just, it's, it's not just a month, right? It's kind of what we live 12 months out of the year, 365, right? right? It, it does yeah. feel, that, that's kind of how it feels like for me. I don't know that this month is especially kind of you know, I feel 
more dialed in or tapped in, you know, than I normally would Mm -hmm. to, you know, my Caribbean heritage. But I do feel that I'm glad that this month exists so that it can shine a spotlight on, you know, Caribbean folks in our culture and, and bringing more representation, you know, across the board. I find myself really, um, you know, to this day, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, watch a show and, you know, they'll have a Caribbean character on there and the accent is just horrible, horrible. <laughs> and it's mine <laughs> if I could just say that. Yeah. That it's like, <laughs> why wouldn't you just get an actual Jamaican to play this character? Like, this is 2022. They, we exist. We're out here. So that's still happening, you know? Um, so... Yeah, it's just kind of mixed feelings that, yes, you know, let's celebrate Caribbean culture. We are out here. We are strong. We are. It's such a, a rich culture and we can spotlight it in this month. But it, it really just there's so much more work that I wish that we can do just year round in terms of representation. So to answer your question, personally, it doesn't feel like something that I feel, you know, especially connected to in this month, but really something that I'm kind of living um, every day of the yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Mercedes? There's a hashtag for it. I, right. <laughs> and I was just thinking the same exact thing is my brain and the way it thinks. It's like, because I feel very similar and, you know, similarly, and that's kind of my experience and my girlfriend is Jamaican. And so we also, we too watch um, shows where, you know, we have the same experiences. We're commentating. We're like, why is this so bad? Like, <laughs> and it, it just makes you think, it, wait, hold on. We have a month that celebrates Caribbean culture, but as a society, I guess, you know, in American culture, we have all these months and things that we bring awareness to, but like underneath all of that is work that needs to be done, is issues that are being addressed, but kind of not really, nothing's really moving the needle. and. I do think we're progressing as a society and in really shining a light on everybody is different and everybody should be embraced for their size, race, ethnicity, culture, background, you know, their experiences that they've gone through and and appreciated as human beings. And I think it just brings me back to once again, it's like, okay, great. Thank you so much for the awareness. But where is that? that drop down menu of, okay, what are we going to do? You know, what issues are we going to tackle in, in shining a light on each, you know, each, uh, you mentioned um, Black History Month. It's very much the same thing, right? It's, you're bringing awareness and you're being celebrated as a culture, but then it kind of just ends there. Yeah. And so I, it is disheartening and it, it does make me think, is anything going to ever change in society where we go from celebrating celebrating our culture to be seen to then actually elevating and helping our culture to be equal and I think that's that's a bigger impact than I think I'm looking for how would you both describe Caribbean culture alive yeah colorful eclectic rich As I say those words, I I think about, you know, folks in my family, I think about, you know, every year, you know, with the the parade, you know, um, Caribbean Day Parade that happens every September in Brooklyn here. Like, you know, there's a, I live in Brooklyn, right? There's a vibrant Caribbean community here. And 
the threads, the the themes that I always, you know, connect with when being around Caribbean folks is just that, you know, just the aliveness, the resilience, you know, I could go on and on, but yeah, those, those words kind of come to mind for me. I 1000% agree with you. And I, it's like lively and like, you know, very colorful, very, I do feel pride. I, I mean, as a culture, as a Caribbean culture, there is a lot of pride. There's a lot of authenticity. There is, I don't know anybody, you know, that is Caribbean that isn't unapologetically themselves and yeah. with yeah. no doubt exudes confidence and you know, you want to say culture, but it's like there's another word for what kind of just automatically comes out or the experience that you get with any Caribbean human being. And also the first thing that came to mind was the Notting Hill Carnival that is in uh, London and it is a a vibe. Like it's a whole (laughs) whole vibe. All of the costumes, all of the music, ah, the music is everything. Like it is... I think I'm I don't want to quote that I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the largest Caribbean um festivals that they have. I know there's one in Canada that's humongous. That one might trump that one. But um yeah, I, I mean I just literally get goosebumps thinking about it because I was just looking at tickets last week. I was like, when is it? Yeah. I'm excited. I think yeah, like when I think of Caribbean culture, for me too, it's like, I think of like festival, right? So the costumes, the music, the mm-hmm. the food, it's just, it's big and it's loud, but it's also, there's like so much love. There's a lot of love. And I think the thought of the Caribbeans showing up and having that confidence, it, it it stems from a very deep sense of acceptance and love and community that I've been able to see kind of, you know, secondhand because I'm married into a Caribbean family, but it it it's just pervasive in everything, right? And in, in like like the jokes and even the way I feel like the way my father-in-law laughs, it comes deep from his belly. It's just like a really <laughs> deep, deep sense of love and happiness. So it is those things. Okay. So I want to pivot a little bit now to Pride, because it's also Pride Month. And and to talk a little bit about that. And so what are your thoughts on on Pride Month overall? I mean, is it do you feel the same way about it being kind of one period of time where we're all you know, like, you know, you shine a light on on like a group of people and everyone's like, okay, this is who we're celebrating this month. And and then the rest of the year no one talks about it. Or do you think it's a little bit different for the gay community? I personally feel that. Pride has now seeped its way into the year, like in a yeah. sense of the impact, because it is now forefront top of, and, and this is out even inside or outside of media, it's very much being talked about a lot. Yeah. And in, in a great way, right? It's what I was saying is just earlier about, can we then, great, we want to be seen in and celebrated as a culture or as, you know, a race or ethnicity. But what really, you know, what we truly want is, like I said, that equality, that change, human rights, you know, collectively to be achieved through this awareness. So you celebrate us and now can you accept us? And then can you treat us like human beings equally? And so now what I feel like personally I'm seeing in terms of pride in, in LGBTQ is 
Now that's happening more. We are seeing, you know, more conversations, more change, more acceptance. You know, there's, I just watched something on Cheddar News the other day that talked about, there's about this production company that was relative to, they are, all these different networks are investing in, in shows that are highlighting, you know, gay love or gay culture, you know, which I would love to see. I thought that was amazing. I love that we're here finally, but we can stream on any of these platforms or watch anything that shows inclusivity in that regard. And we are seeing that through, you know, through Caribbean culture and through Black culture as well. And, and so, yeah, so to answer your question, I, I think pride in this month has turned really into a conversation, which is thus turning into impact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree a thousand percent. It, I think there was a time in our culture and society that pride would not be as much as part of the discourse outside of Pride Month, right? But now right, right. seeing it, yeah, as a conversation literally every day, you see, you know, our streaming uh, channels, Hulu's and Netflix, you know, um, there, there's this LGBTQ, you know, section for, you know, all yeah. the types mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, Pride cinema that you can ever want. And part of me does wish that it wasn't its own separate section, but that it just, it was included in, you know, just mainstream. But it's something and it's and, and it's representation. I think it's interesting, this question, too, because yes, we'll get into this, too. But, you know, I recently came out, you know, about five years ago. So I attended um, my first Pride Parade maybe like four years ago. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that first time being I think it was also the the 50th anniversary, too. So it was extra. I think it was in the year before COVID. Um, but, you know, that experience was just all the way turned up. And I remember, because of TMI, but I, I had such an emotional breakdown. I bawled huh. when I attended my first Pride Parade because just to be in the presence of just such happiness and joy and yeah, I, it just really got to me. And it just felt like something that, you know, had been opened up in me you know, as I was just learning learning my own sexuality and becoming literally just like a new member of this this community. So it was all very new for me, but I do remember it being, you know, just sort of this engulfing feeling. Uh, So like I said, you know, that was a couple of years ago. And, you know, now I feel, yeah, just kind of what I was saying about, you know, pride culture being part of the larger discourse. Um, In my my work, you know, it's just an integral part of what we do as coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I do a lot of career coaching and career development and I work with LGBTQ folks all the time. And the conversation of should I share my pronouns in an interview is becoming part of my coaching sessions and part of my conversations with folks now. So it's interesting just how the conversation has been changing, you know, over time. I've been doing this work now for 10 years and just I'd say in the last few years, this is becoming more part of, you know, these conversations, particularly as it relates to hiring practices and, you know, should I disclose this or how can I tell if, you know, a company is welcoming, is inclusive, you know, because companies can say these things, but it's not always in practice internally. So all these things, you know, are, are part of the conversations now. And I think we've come a really long way such that we can also have these conversations in a, in a more powerful way. Yeah. It is really interesting that 
gay pride has has changed, right? Just so much, like you're saying, it it's transcended the month. It's transcended, yeah. It's transcended race. It's transcended background. It's transcended socioeconomic abilities. It's transcended geography. It's even made its way into Disney. I forgot the name of the movie, but like there's mm-hmm. this, this big thing happen. Like one of the newest movies, they've got two two women, two girls kiss in a Disney animation, oh, and wow. you know, of course. Some parents are like, that shouldn't be the case. And I'm like, whatever. Like, <laughs> right. like actually, it should be, you know, because that's really what happens. And, but like, it's so, so to me, that's like, that's even transcending ratings, right? Cause it's like PG, but then it's, it's kind of, it's just infiltrating into the everyday. And it's, it is, it's so interesting. Cause when I think about, well, in 20 years, will Caribbean Heritage Month just become like not really a thing either, right? It's just, we're just going to identify as who we are culturally and not have to feel like we're getting a label put upon us or we have to go into a special section of Netflix to find a certain type of movie from a certain you know cultural background. It's just going to be there front and center the same way that Cinderella is there with like a blonde hair, blue eyed actress or something. I'm hoping eventually we'll get there, but it's been interesting to watch how LGBTQ IA plus. <laughs> well, the letters keep right adding. <laughs> but but how that has just become like it it's really, it's just really become such a big part of our dialogue today. That's just part of everyday, everyday culture. There's books, movies, media dedicated to just that. And Erin, you brought up a great point of the first time you felt really, I guess it's, you know, you were in a place where probably you felt so accepted as well in that that pride parade moment when you we're feeling really emotional. Mercedes, I'm wondering for you too, because you came out as an adult as well. What was your moment when you felt like, I'm, I'm here, I, this is where I need to be, or this is who I really am? What was that like for you? Ooh, this one's a hard one. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one's very hard for me because, it, and here's why. So when I met my, when I met my girlfriend, Obviously, she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. I was in a relationship with my ex-boyfriend for, we were in a relationship for four years. We ended up, a client of mine was a place of her work. And so we would kind of run into each other. And and I just noticed that I was, I was interested in who this human being was. Like, I wanted to get to know her more, but it was beyond a friendship. Like, in a, in a way, I couldn't say that I was immediately attracted to her because that's not how I was thinking. I was just intrigued by her. And then as I got to know her, I fell in love with her as a human being, became attracted to her as a human being and never really, which was a struggle for her in our relationship as well and her to find security is I never really associated it with my sexuality because it's almost like maybe I never cared prior to meeting her or in my mm. heterosexual relationship. Like maybe I never really knew how fluid I genuinely was until this moment happened. And then my love, it brought awareness to my level of fluidity in love and my sexuality because what it basically, there's no confines. And what I, it taught me was I love you know, a specific type of human being, like, you know, and because that's consistent in every one of my relationships, 
these qualities of a human being are consistent, but their, you know, gender is not consistent. And, and mm. just kind of just said that that's okay. Like I can love who I love. I accept who I accept, but I never believed even prior to meeting her in labels. Like I never said I was, mm. you know, I never identified as straight. I just knew I was attracted to men. I never encountered any women that piqued my interest, but maybe if I did, I would have, I would have found and discovered this fluidity within myself. And I asked my girlfriend, should I associate as, you know, non-binary? Is it a bisexual? Like, what, what is it? Because I, I don't know. I can't, it's not that I don't want to know. It's just that I don't need, I don't need that label or that association or identity because my label is human. Mm -hmm. And it's been that way since I've, since I've been born, since like, that's how I grew up. My old Instagram tag handle was lucid human. Like I associate as a human being and that further as in my adult life, it's teaching me more and more about where I fall into in society and what they determine that to be versus what I actually care to say it is. You know, if that makes sense, like when I see yeah. any human being, I see them as a human being. I don't immediately go, they're white, they're from here, they're this, they're that. They're, I just don't do that. And I think that's because of the way that I grew up. I grew up around all cultures, all different types of of humans from different places. And I learned to accept us, like we as people, as human beings first. And mm -hmm. because of that, I think that's, that has kind of seeped its way into my kind of psyche and mentality around sexuality and around how you identify yourself. And, and so for me personally, there was no pivotal moment. She just, my, in loving her, it taught me that I am extremely open and extremely fluid to loving human beings for who they are. Yeah. It took me much longer well, yeah, it, it kind of, it took me falling in love with a woman to connect with this idea of seeing people just not through their sexuality, but as a human. I, I, I was nodding my head so much, Mercedes, while you were talking because it feels so similar to how I experienced just a transcendence in my own sexuality and, you know, connecting with my partner now, my girlfriend, my fiance, actually, <laughs> That yeah. another <laughs> see another like bombshell moment. Hello, hello. She does this on purpose. <laughs> I'm starting to see how she's, she hard launches things now. Exactly. This is how you do she's it. Like, she's like Sharon. Sure, I'll come on your show. I've got more <laughs> things I need to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are engaged. Congratulations! Yeah, oh, so happy for you. Gosh, thank you, thank you so much. We're six months in. I'm <laughs> really excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's just, you know, realizing just how deep one's love can go, you know, and just really connecting to the human. You know, I just yeah. happened to fall in love with a, a, with a woman and, you know, but I saw her as a human first and just really connected on on that level. And I think that was very confusing for folks in my circle who had known me to be, you know, quote unquote straight before that. And, and it's funny, like I didn't even identify as straight. It's just like by default I was, right. you know, and it's right. just kind of Correct. what you did, right. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it just really changed for me again, like this, you know, how you, and even now I don't, you know, I struggle with labels. I struggle with 
you know, how do I want to move in the world? You know, what does feel comfortable for me? I don't know if you know um, Nisi Nash and Jessica Betts, who, um, you know, appeared on Essence. They were a first same-sex couple that appeared on Essence, um, two Black women getting married. And I connect to their story uh, so, so much. And just to really kind of, just kind of love someone for being just a human, you know, and and just identify how, you know, whatever feels comfortable for you, whether that's gay, that's straight or or bisexual, you know, which feels like, you know, right now, currently is a label that I connect with and feels comfortable for me. Um, but I'm also holding space that that may change, you know, over time. And, you know, I may choose to release that label altogether. But just learning to break out of these these labels, these categories, I think was probably one of the most powerful things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I love, and and that's kind of what I love about both of your stories. It's, you both fell into it or you you experience it and you realized that love just transcends everything, right? It's it's because you met the right person. Like literally, it's just the right human. It's not because she's a woman and it's not, there was nothing wrong with the men before, but it's just you, you ended up finding the right person for you. And that's such a beautiful thing. So I know we're getting short on time. Are you guys ready for speed round? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. What is a book, movie, or television show with LGBTQIA characters that you relate to? Mercedes, you can go first. I literally was just binging this like yesterday and the day before, but I'm <laughs> obsessed with Legendary. And I watched just the ballroom scene and everything. And I want to just say that all of the judges are like a part of my personality. So I associate with every one of the judges. And mind you, there is straight, there is transgender on that judge panel. There is, you know, just there's just every every walk of life is on that panel. And I associate with all of them. And so I would say Legendary is my top number one right now. I'm obsessed. And if you haven't seen it, you'll die. <laughs> Amazing. How about you, Arian? I definitely agree. Legendary is everything. <laughs> I gotta say, like on that note of ballroom culture, pose. It's pose for me. Yeah. Day every day. I have binge watched and re-binge watched <laughs> Tommy yet. Porter is my spirit animal. I just Aww. I already know that I can't meet him because I will literally die on the spot, but he's just <laughs> Amazing human. I love it. Who is a Caribbean American, could be woman, could be man, um, that you admire? Arian, you can go first. I would say first person that popped to mind was Carrie Washington. Yeah. Um, right. She, I just, I love her spirit. I love how humble she is. I love that she's from the Bronx and that she's Jamaican and she has her dad on Instagram. <laughs> Sometimes she's dad. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. Amazing. Yes. They're so adorable. But yeah, I really am inspired by, by her. How about you, Mercedes? 1000% first person always comes to mind is Rihanna. Like she Rihanna, was the first yeah. person on TV that even younger that I was like, oh, like even though she's from Barbados, I was like someone who looks kind of like me. Like, yeah, like it was one of those things that it was like, whoa. And she's so confident and she, she embodies where she's from, like every aspect of where she's from. She not only goes all the time, she gives back. She's, she's very family oriented. She's done, you know, film and TV in Barbados. And like, there's everything about her just screams and oods the Caribbean mm -hmm. culture. And I, she was the first association that I was just like, 
okay, I can, I'm a badass bitch too because she's a yeah. badass bitch. So yeah. <laughs> she and she really like she embraces it. Like she brings it. For she's real. amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. What's your favorite Caribbean dish? Ooh, fried plantains, black beans, and rice is like my go-to. Like go-to in all regards. <laughs> I, no matter which which Caribbean island, that is my go-to. Yeah. They have a different name in every one. That's my go-to. Gosh. Yum. Such a hard question. I'm with you on the plantains. I'm a sucker for sweet plantains. Um, I got to say oxtail. Yes. For me, no matter where I go, it's just hundred percent. Always, <laughs> yeah, always. And then I'll also say, um, hacky and saltfish, and I have just mastered my own recipe of that. By what? Nice. I want the recipe. That's awesome. And yeah, <laughs> um, and Kalaloo on the side, of course. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. That sounds so good. <laughs> hungry. It's so yummy. All right, last question, Arian. You can take this one first. What does being a modern minority mean for you? Especially during Caribbean and Pride Month. <laughs> mm, 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 such a good question. Um, ownership. Mm. Uh, ownership of all parts of you. Embracing living out loud. We talked about earlier just how Caribbean cultures are just so unapologetic. Yeah. And I think if there's any time in the year for you to just really be that, unapologetically you and all the pieces that come with you and and really letting your freak flag fly um, <laughs> what that means to me yeah Mercedes I 1000% agree with you and I think the biggest thing that I'm learning that seeps into all facets of your life is self-acceptance and self-love mm-hmm. and it, within that comes other obviously other characteristics confidence security within yourself that also affects your mental health and like how you feel about yourself, how you show up in the world, how you treat yourself, how other people treat you. And so I would say self-love and acceptance is is a key player in, in, in foundational kind of layer to how the rest of your life manifests and the people that you bring into your life and, you know, accept into your life and the people that you attract and and the life you want to live and how you want to feel about yourself and how you think about yourself when you look in the mirror, when you go to you know, bed at night, when you wake up in the morning. And so, yeah, that would be my, my answer. I love it. Well, thank you both for sharing your stories and for this time. I feel like it was too short. So I definitely want to do this again with you both. And happy Caribbean Heritage and Pride Month to everybody. Yes. and that's our show like what you heard please subscribe leave a review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform now more than ever people need to be hearing these stories please share our show with a friend or three want to learn more or got something to share visit modmypod.com or email us hi mom at modmypod.com you can also follow us on instagram and twitter at modminpod we'd love to hear from you that's it for now I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.